One of the first words that infant children learn to say without any instruction from their parents is the word mine. It's as if it's instinctual that children understand the concept of personal and private property. And it doesn't change as we grow older. We don't lose the concept of ownership. We label our possessions, secure our belongings, and guard our things. Humans are unique among creatures in this respect. We own things. We have private property and possessions. And tonight, as we turn to the Eighth Commandment, we see that the concept of ownership and private property is not a social convention thought up by men. It's a divine institution grounded in the decree of divine providence. So stay tuned with us tonight on Sinners and Saints as we explain the Eighth Commandment. In an age of moral bankruptcy, political sleaze, theological confusion, and aimless religion in a mindless church, we're addressing the need for a Bible-based, intellectually rigorous, 21st century Christian faith. This is Sinners and Saints. Theology with an Edge. Joining us tonight on Sinners and Saints, we are continue on in our series tonight on the Ten Commandments. We're going to deal with the Eighth Commandment tonight, as usual. Joining us for our discussion is Reverend Adam Kalushin from Ontario United Reformed Church, and Reverend Moses Janbazian from Pasadena United Reformed Church, and I'm John Sautel, pastor at All Saints Reformed, and we're dealing with the Eighth Commandment, Thou shalt not steal. And I'll just throw this out tonight as we begin our discussion, why not steal? What's wrong with stealing? If it increases my wealth and leads to the increase of my pleasure, why shouldn't I steal? Especially if I can get away with it. Well, obviously, when you use the word steal in this case, it's a very prejudicial term. It implies that you're doing something wrong. And um, now some people would dispute that that's really the case. And we would say, well, scripturally, obviously, it is the case that there is such a thing as ownership and private property. Obviously, when God commands, you shall not steal, he says that there are some things that don't belong to you. So, Scripturally, we would say you can't do those things simply because they give you pleasure. All things must be done in accordance with the will and law of God. Okay, well, this is what I want to get at, though. What is it about the human condition which prohibits us from stealing? Let's just say if you're an animal, you look at, at, at whatever is around you, and it's whatever you can get. We're not animals, not in that sense in any way, because we are made in the image of God, and we have a command given to us, which is that we are to take dominion over the earth, and therefore... We are to labor diligently to continue to expand the kingdom of God and also to cultivate. And therefore, we have a responsibility to make the material world physically better. Okay, but wouldn't it be a form of dominion for me to take your stuff, increase my wealth, increase my pleasure, uh, pad my bank account, and secure my future for me and my posterity? Well, it would be, but we call that theft and stealing, which is forbidden, basically because the Lord is the one who gives. And when the Lord assigns possessions and blessings to other people, you are not to test his providence and go against his will by grabbing from others and taking yourself. So in other words, in order for the Eighth Commandment to make any kind of sense of all, you have to have a theistic worldview. It, a naturalistic worldview uh, can make no sense of the Eighth Commandment. Well, no, because then what you'll have is what you observe when you watch these animal shows where you have, you know, a, a kill has taken place and then one group of animals comes and then the larger group comes and chases away the first group. And so it basically is only the strongest gets to eat. 
And that's not what we were created to be. We were created to be the image of God and servants towards one another and a recognition of that which God has given to us and distinguishing that from which God has given to others. Well, and you see the hypocrisy of the naturalistic worldview when it comes to acquiring possessions because people will have no problem trampling on others in the business world or manipulating others in order to gain wealth or just out and out stealing. But if anybody ever would steal from them or they find themselves manipulated in some scheme, I mean, they will want justice, you know, to the hills. But uh, it's just the hypocrisy. It shows that we know uh, by natural law in our hearts that possessions are ours and a blessing, really, and that we don't have the right to take from other people. Right. This is one of those commandments which certainly... uh stands naturalism on its head and shows the blatant hypocrisy of people who reject a theistic worldview. Because naturalism at its very heart says that the creatures uh, propagate and survive and extend themselves by virtue of force, natural selection. The strongest survive and they keep on perpetuating themselves. But clearly nobody wants to turn that into a social ethic because they realize that if they did that, all kinds of people, in fact, the whole political constituencies would be, become entirely trampled underfoot, and it would make society chaotic. Yet, at the very time they do that, they reject the entire worldview which underpins it, which is that God sovereignly meets out gifts to men, and he gives them to them, and he expects that we uh, honor his providential distribution of gifts, and we don't steal. So there in just sort of broad strokes, we set forth the broader principles and issues involved in the Eighth Commandment. But now, what kind of applications does this have in concrete terms? Thou shalt not steal. What does that mean? Let's break it down in practical terms for a moment. Right. Well, as we've seen with other commandments, when you read them first on the surface, you might think it only refers to somebody, say, like in the case of thou shalt not steal, somebody breaking into somebody's house and taking their television or maybe going into somebody's wallet and taking out the cash and putting it back. But thou shalt not steal has many more broad applications, even directly from the Scripture, in terms of how we use wealth. One of the main themes in the book of Proverbs pertaining to this commandment talks about work and forbidding laziness. Laziness is a real problem, not only out in the community, but among professing Christians, and I think we need to address this very clearly from the Scripture. At the heart of this commandment, in terms of applying it to ourselves, there's both positive and negative applications. When we come back after the break, we're going to begin with some negative applications of the Eighth Commandment. So stay tuned with us on Sinners and Saints. Located in the heart of Los Angeles, Grace Evangelical Church is a Reformed church committed to the three forms of unity, the solas of the Reformation, the doctrines of grace, the preaching of the law and the gospel, the weekly administration of the Lord's Table, along with catechism classes for adults and children. Give us a call at area code 310-782-7019. 310-782-7019. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. In other words, what Paul is saying is that if you want to be wise unto salvation and learn to live for God's glory, you need the Word of God. And that's why I'm inviting you to come worship with us at All Saints Reformed Church. Hi, my name is Pastor John Sautel. I'm pastor of All Saints Reformed Church out in Walnut, California. We can't promise you you'll be entertained with high-energy music or thrilling performances or exciting worship or trendy programs, but we will promise you that you'll get the Bible. Because in our worship, we read the Bible, we sing the Bible, we pray the Bible, and we preach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. 
If you want to come to know God through his word and to grow in his grace and knowledge, then we invite you to worship with us at All Saints Reformed Church. For more information, call us at 909-319-3479. That's 909-319-3479. Or check us out on the web at allsaintsreformed.org. All right, we want to thank you for joining us again tonight, sinners and saints. We are dealing with the Eighth Commandment. Uh, by the way, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, feel free to give us a call at 866-99-UNITED. Give us a call, please, at 866-99-UNITED, because as we wrap up this series on the Ten Commandments, we want to give you a chance to give us some feedback. We want some of your questions. Maybe some of the things that we've said uh, in this series have provoked some questions that you'd like to have answered, further areas that we might explore in a more specific way. So be sure to call us at 866-99-UNITED. Leave us your question or email us. Go to sinnersaint.org and contact us and leave us your question. We'd really like to hear from you and get your feedback. So we're dealing here with the Eighth Commandment. We said uh, before the break that we were going to come back and deal with the negative applications of the Eighth Commandment. I'm just going to give you a few of them here from the Westminster Larger Catechism. 142 says, what are the sins forbidden in the Eighth Commandment? It answers, the sins forbidden in the Eighth Commandment uh, are theft, robbery, man-stealing, receiving anything that is stolen, fraudulent dealing, false weights and measures, removing landmarks, injustice and unfaithfulness in contracts, oppression, extortion, usury, bribery, vexatious lawsuits, unjust enclosures, depopulations, engrossing commodities. The list goes on and on and on and on. I think all I'm trying to do with this is to demonstrate the fact that there are a myriad of applications negatively of what this commandment prohibits. So why don't we work through some of them for a moment? Well, first you have to work with the principle that's behind this, is that you must be one who learns to be content with God's providence for you. And therefore, you cannot look at what others have and simply state, well, I would like to have that, and therefore, I will shortcut and take it away from them. So you have to, number one, learn that that which belongs to another person is his own, and therefore, all these other methods of taking it, other than lawfully working for it, earning the money, buying these things, is prohibited to you. Scripture repeats the, the idea over and over again. I'll just give it to you one place. Proverbs 22, 1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and your loving favor is better than loving silver and gold. So even in a case where you're doing all that you can to acquire possessions in a lawful way, but for whatever reason you can't seem to get ahead, or you look around you and you see the wicked prospering, you need to remember that loving a good name and being rightly aligned to the God who made you and to his creatures around you is always much better than being successful and having more and more and keeping up with the Joneses if that's not uh, the blessing that God has given to you. And you should never feel less than other people who may have more if you're working hard and fulfilling your calling where God has placed you. Now, what we were saying is the negative things. One of the ones that obviously comes right out from this is don't rob, don't steal, don't take somebody else's possession when they're not looking but the one that really most of us have to fight is the laziness that we get when we're salaried and when we are unwilling to do the maximum for what someone has paid us to do. And that's one that we all need to consider because we all joke about how much extra time off we got and how we were able to just sleep through the workday. But that's not acceptable. That's stealing from the person who's paying you to Spend labor. Spend all day playing online gambling or solitaire or whatever instead of doing your actual work, which you were contracted to do. That's, that's stealing, right? And to that's the best correct. of your ability that they expected you to apply when they hired you. Yes, and this is very easy when it comes to this prohibition, don't be lazy in the Scripture, to look out in the world and say, oh, look how awful it is out in the world and 
boy, I wish everybody was just more righteous in our society. But the Christian church is, dare I say, as guilty of this and her people as anybody else. And it is an absolute atrocity that God's people are lazy. The, the Proverbs talk so much about wisdom being found in hard work. I just want to read some passages to you so you get a flavor. But you know if you've read through the Proverbs that it talks a lot about laziness. Proverbs 10.4, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent uh, becomes rich. Proverbs 10.26, As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those who send him. Uh, Proverbs 13.4, The soul of a lazy man desires but has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. And you can go on and on. I'll just give you one more. Proverbs 14.23, In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. Laziness is forbidden by God because you are squandering the good gifts of the health and vigor than, and intelligence and strength that you have by which you're able to work to earn things and give it to others and to supply for yourself okay. and enjoy his blessings. Let, let, me, let me put a test question at you then. If labor is the means God has appointed for us to acquire uh, and accumulate worldly possessions and riches, what do we do in the instance, are, are we guilty, let's put it this way, are we guilty of violating this commandment if we give to others who refuse to work diligently? Yes, I believe so, because what we're doing then is that we are allowing someone to go on in their sin of laziness. We are permitting others, in fact, encouraging them by buying their time for laziness, rather than allowing them to do what they should, which is labor so that they can provide for others and that they can also learn the dignity and honor of the work that God has given them to do. That's right. And besides which, there are always people in the world who work very, very hard, who have basic needs unmet. And if you spend money supporting laziness, then there will not be funds around to provide for those who have true need. And the people who have true need are overlooked because the people who are being lazy are being supported. Yeah, they're just consumers. They take all the resources and then they don't even say thank you. But it's often, Christians are often browbeaten on this particular issue, or not just Christians, but, you know, it's popular out there to say, we'll support the homeless, support the homeless, support the poor. But, and I'm all for that for people who are legitimately, by, because of providential circumstances, uh, are impoverished. But what do we do in the situations where people don't lift a finger to help at all, don't do, do anything, they just panhandle, that's all they do with their life when they're able bodied? Are we under any obligation as a society or as a church to help that? I would say we're under obligation to see that they are provided for, but not by giving them cash to keep doing what they want, but rather by providing labor for them to do and say, look, you wish to eat labor. There are there's many things that still need to be done in this world. So encourage them to do those things. Now, obviously, there are larger issues involved because here you're beginning to deal with the state and what, you know, the programs you have established and so thought is required, but you have to keep the basic principle in mind. Simply handing out money is a lazy man's way of taking care of your conscience, but you're not actually doing the service that God requires, which is making sure that all people are able to, to do that, which God has commanded them to do, which is labor and provide. Hey, the word of God says, if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. That's God's word. That's not our principle. Stay tuned with us as we continue on dealing with the negative ramifications of the Eighth Commandment tonight on Sinners and Saints. There is no greater joy in the Christian's life than to worship God according to his word, and there is nowhere better in the San Gabriel Valley to do this than at the Pasadena United Reformed Church. So come join us this Sunday at 9 a.m. and at 6 p.m. at 226 West Colorado Boulevard in Arcadia. 
You can call us at 866-99-UNITED or look us up on the web at sinnersaint.org. This is Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. Are you looking for a church that values the Word of God and the rediscovery of its riches in the Protestant Reformation? Hi, I'm Pastor Adam Kalusti, and I want to invite you to join us at the Ontario United Reformed Church. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. Take the Euclid Avenue exit off the 60 freeway, go north one block to Philadelphia Street, turn right, and you'll see us. That's the Ontario United Reformed Church, 866-99-UNITED. All right, thanks for joining us back on the other side of the break here, Sinners and Saints, tonight, dealing with the Eighth Commandment. There is so much here uh, in terms of relevant application for us, and we've tried to break it down into two basic parts. We're going to deal with the negative uh, applications of this command and then deal with some positive ones, and we're running to so many. We're going to continue on in this uh, third and final break here, dealing with the negative applications of the Eighth Commandment. As I said, the Westminster uh, Larger Catechism gives us a whole series of negative uh, applications, um, and it deals with uh, some ones you may not have thought of. And one of them I just want to throw out here for discussion is the, it says that this commandment forbids the engross commodities, engrossing commodities to enhance the price. In other words, it's saying this commandment forbids businessmen, let's say, to hoard up a product that they know people want and then dole it out in small amounts in order they can charge exorbitant prices. Let's talk about that a little bit today in terms of our contemporary context. Well, let's look at what it does not mean first. It does not mean that when you have something that's scarce that you can't raise the price on it, which is how it's often taken nowadays. You'll see it on the news whenever something happens. They start uh, yelling price gouging. Well, and let's, okay, let's, let's, be, let's, let's deal with this practically. Oil. It's on everybody's mind. Uh, price per barrel, over $70. Gas prices are killing us at the pump. Uh, we want to have, we, we're demanding some sort of help here. The public at large is. Politicians are. Here's an idea. Is, is this, Dri- here's an well, idea. Drive, we, drive less okay, and but stop your it, whining. You still live better than anybody else You still live better than anybody else lives in the is history it, is of the human gross, race and of our gluttonous a, consumption of oil and gas. You're trumping the discussion. Not, well, I'm giving you the answer to the problem. You're this, saying it's not an engrossing of a commodity to enhance the price. No, especially when there are so many places. In this nation, this fine nation of ours, where we can drill and drill and get more oil so that we're not dependent in this strange psychology on foreign oil. This is ridiculous. They, see, this is the problem that people By the way, take, this segment is being paid for by ExxonMobil Corporation. People, this is the problem here. People take these these broad principles and gross what will you read that again John what is this and grossing, grossing commodities to enhance the price and because they're upset about the oil price they say well this is the problem that people should stop charging so much for gas and meantime you know I max out on my credit card my adjustable rate mortgage has gone through the roof because I made an unwise decision I got every toy in the world in my house I spend like mad and I find myself with two three four SUVs that you know, $900 a gallon to fill up. And then I complained that the person who is providing the oil is really the one that's giving me the business. Now, I I just, you have to be very careful not to interpret the whole economy based on your own, you know, particular plight, which is completely misguided. Okay, well, let's take a moment to point out some of the hypocrisy here. I didn't see homeowners complaining about the fact that their homes uh, 
skyrocketed and spiked in equity of about you know a quarter million dollars over the last two years when it made absolutely no sense. And now the same people who were jumping up and down with glee and joy over that are the same ones who are complaining now when they fill up you know the the three ton megaton SUV with you know. 40 gallons of gas. But I will ask a question that leads to this. Maybe we're not all on the same page with the, the price gouging in, in the oil market. But I want to ask this question. Is there any naturally occurring commodity which is essential to life, which cannot be owned by a person or a business conglomerate? In other words, is there something that is essential to us? Uh, is, is there a way to violate this command, this eighth commandment, by hoarding an essential quality and then charging exorbitant prices for it? Theoretically, it would be possible, but in actuality, it rarely occurs. Now, obviously, in a time in which the Westminster Confession was written, you had a lot more of the guild system and things like that where people could restrict a product from coming onto the market and therefore jack up the price. Nowadays, it's a lot more difficult, and so the principle is still true. You are not simply allowed to try to raise the price on things by keeping that which someone needs away from them. On the other hand, you're not obliged to always provide everything at the price that somebody else wants. So there's a balance that has to be struck, and you have to consider it is my duty to constantly serve and provide others okay. because that's my Give calling. you a test case on this. What about health care? Uh, it's often talked about as if it's a fundamental universal human right. And yet we know that there are all kinds of procedures, medical procedures, which cost thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars in some cases, uh, are people obligated to give those services away under well, this? The answer is no and yes. No in the sense that they are not as a, a business organization that Which is trying to run a profit. Right. Let's be honest about right. it. Right. Hospitals and uh, networks of doctors are, are businesses. Yes. And they are not required as those businesses to be forced by somebody that's stronger than them to give health care to anybody that walks in off the street. However, as personal physicians and uh, personal, say, profiteers of these large organizations, it is their God-given duty to provide uh, for others generously. I know a number of doctors who are Christian doctors who work hard and they get paid well, but they spend part of their time seeing patients gratis. And this is the kind of, of ethic that we want, where people are not uh, compulsed by, say, the government the or the strong-armed people to to see any patients, but those who are allowed to flourish can then willfully and voluntarily spend time to care for those who have needs. In this case, the engrossing could also be where you prohibit others from providing something so that everyone has to come to you and you alone. And there is ethical dilemmas involved in all things that take place. And so we as Christians, we don't want to give like the final answers for everybody here, but you need to think about is my action contributing to prohibiting others from being able to gain this service simply for my own benefit? And whether that is being done through government regulation, licensing, unions, whatever the case may be, you have to say what my duty is is to provide my labor to others at a price they're willing to pay. And if others are willing to do the same thing, it is not for me to hoard that by prohibiting them from coming onto the market. So there is a lot more to this you shall not steal than simply you don't physically take something from another, but it's also how you cause other things to fall out in this world. Well, as we said, this commandment is rich in applications and relevance to us. There's so many issues. And by the way, we're not trying to solve all the issues of oil pricing or health care pricing. We're just trying to show you that this, this commandment has uh, a real breadth of 
uh, application and relevance to us. We didn't even get into a number of the other negative applications such as inordinately prizing uh, worldly goods, um, envying at the prosperity of others, wasting our money at, at uh, wasteful gaming, as the confession says, and a whole series of other negative applications. But when you think about this commandment negatively, you need to think broadly and realize that it has a, a great deal of relevance for your life today. We've been dealing with the Eighth Commandment tonight on Sinners and Saints, as we already said earlier in the program. We want to make sure that you come visit us on the website at sinnersaint.org. That's sinnersaint.org. Uh, we want you to click on the button there where, where uh, you can contact us and drop us an email. Give us your questions. We'd like some feedback on this series on the Ten Commandments because we'd like to do at least one show or two dealing with your questions uh, that have been raised as we've been working our way through this commandment. So be sure to contact us at sinnersaint.org or give us a call at 866-99-UNITED. That's 866-99-UNITED. We're happy that you joined us tonight on our discussion on Sinners and Saints. Join us next week as we tackle more topics with the truth of God's Word on Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. For more information, call 866-99-UNITED or log on to the web at urcsocal.org. That's 866-99-UNITED.